Welcome to another episode of Connections Tech Experience. I'm your host, Penny Conway, Senior Program Manager for Workplace Transformation here at Connection. And I have a whole crew here with us to talk about all things safer schools. Traditional school security measures really haven't kept pace with today's physical and digital threats. And the threats to our students and educators are really becoming more and more complex, despite the significant investments schools have already made. And schools really want to do more to protect educators, students, and staff from the threats of violence, intimidation, crime, and cyber attacks. So when I say we have a full crew, I mean we have a full crew. Let's go around and do some quick introductions, starting with you, Kaylee, what your role is and what brings you to the podcast today. Hi, Penny. Kaylee Cassidy. I'm the National Channel Account Manager supporting Connection for our Meraki product line. Welcome, Kaylee. And I'm Andre Stoikovic. I'm the Program Manager for Cisco Marketing. And on the phone, Jay. This is Jay Garecki. I'm the Zebra Identity Solution Manager, handling all ID printer systems. And Tom. Yeah, this is Tom Willoughby. I'm with Single Wire Software, and I'm here representing our solution in Formacast today. Great. And last but not least, we have Craig Cole on the phone, who is our business development manager for Cisco's Safer Schools. And Craig, why don't you introduce yourself a little? Well, I already did, but why don't you tell us a little bit about Cisco's (laughs) Safer School program? So yeah, so Cisco looks at the uh, Safer School program comprehensively. We use the Department of Homeland Security model, which focuses heavily on uh, prevention and protection and mitigation of events that take place. And then our program um, has been uh, working in hundreds of schools across the country with the advisors in those schools to develop our kind of five pillars. We think uh, we every school should have uh, those basics start with access control, video surveillance, collaboration tools, a notification platform, and cybersecurity. And on, on today, we have experts from each of those areas, and we can, we can dive into those and kind of explore what they mean and how you apply them in a school environment. Love it. So there's really, when I look at those five pillars, kind of looks like it breaks out into to two different areas, the physical security uh, within a school, and then, of course, the network security in a school, which is probably what an IT director has more visibility to, more experience of. So let's start with physical security. Uh, what is a Cisco's portfolio um, and really value around what schools are dealing with today? What what are schools dealing with with, with physical security. So I'll step in here on the Meraki front. So Meraki, holistically, we are the cloud networking portion of Cisco. And one of the products that we offer is our physical security devices. And obviously with schools, we want to make sure that we're providing our students with a really safe environment that they feel comfortable for their teachers, the students, the administrators coming in every single day. So that's where the Meraki portfolio steps in. And one of the things that differentiates us from everyone else is it is all managed through a central pane of glass, which is our dashboard. All products are managed through this dashboard, but so are our cameras. And why is that important is because we can actually give granular access control to anyone to access those cameras, depending on if it is a security officer, it's a teacher, it's the principal, they will able to get their actual access to see the live feed that's coming from these cameras. And it's also being stored right on the device. So we have it encrypted so you don't have to have an NVR and you can just go in, see the footage, and you can see it live. 
So imagine how much safer that's making our schools by being able to really quickly see where these cameras are and see what's going on with those. Another great thing with this is it's motion detection. So you can go in and you can choose a specific area that an incident happened and you can find out any instances that happened within say the past 24 hours. So you can really get granular on what you're seeing in that video footage as well. So those are just a couple of reasons why we differentiate ourselves from the competition and why we make schools a lot safer with our physical security. So when we look at the things that we're really uh, kind of trying to look for, like what those cameras are looking for, what those motion detectors are looking for, you know, I think this is a, a really sensitive topic when you're talking to schools like we, you know, we talked on another podcast recently, if it shows up in the headlines, then that guaranteed you've, you know, that school has an opportunity to go in and talk about security. If you've got some sort of school shooting incident, you've got kids bringing weapons in, you've got bullying going on in hallways. And so it's interesting when you say the, the motion detector, I think sometimes there might be things happening on the down low that, you know, isn't maybe so apparent. And so what are some of the things that that motion detector is giving to schools, information that schools are getting to maybe say, hey, we're noticing a behavior that while it's not so apparent, um, that might be something that is a, a safety risk to our students and teachers and staff. Exactly, Penny. I think it all comes down to the response time that we're able to have. So if we hone in on a very specific spot within a camera, maybe it's in a cafeteria where there's an incident, you can find out what was going on. But another layer with the Meraki solution is that it actually provides analytics as well. So you can see what are the high traffic areas and where are the students going within those environments as well. We use that with our heat mapping with the Meraki solution. So not only do you have that motion response so you can respond quickly, but you also have analytics so you can be more proactive to your pr approach as well. So say something's actually happening in a, let's say a a hallway or something or outside of a hallway because a hallway I think is a good one because it's not always where you have cameras but say there's something happening in that area you've got kids that are either starting to beat up on another kid or you know someone's doing something to prepare for an incident or to cause an incident how fast is that notification and who's it going to like what's the the response capability for a teacher or admin or IT it can be instantaneous and we can actually build in with our APIs because we do have an API, um, an open API solution. So we can bring in other partners to make sure that they are getting those notifications as quickly as possible. If there is a movement within a specific area that typically there's not supposed to be movement, we can get that instantaneous. For example, maybe you have your school is shut down at night, obviously. No one should be in the halls between 12 a.m. and 5 a.m., if there is movement within those cameras, we can get notifications sent out to those administrators as quickly as possible. And you as an administrator who is managing this dashboard, you determine who receives those messages as well. There's a couple of really fascinating kind of subtopics that we're addressing here with, uh, with Meraki. There, there are two things that we found that schools really have challenges with at a little bit higher level. One, one of those is that technology often isn't well integrated. So they have these little technology silos deployed, but when the technologies don't communicate together, it actually creates a lot of complexity mm. and, and they just end up not using it. So one of the things Meraki's doing, and we've worked a lot with the Meraki team and other partners, is those notifications that she mentioned, when, when a camera detects something, 
they can now pass those notifications directly into another technology platform like SingleWire to be distributed effectively and, and um, let people know very rapidly that there's a there's an incident possibly happening. And uh, one other topic we're kind of hitting on here in general is the proactive nature any technology that's deployed. And, and camera systems are a great example. Traditionally, they've been investigative tools where they, you simply went back and saw what happened the next day. One of the things that, that schools and the market and parents and, and legislators are asking us for is how do we be more proactive? A physical security camera system without an analytic is a very reactive tool. So adding these analytic capabilities that we're discussing right now um, does actually solve that challenge or help with that challenge. So two key trends. One is be proactive. And the only way to really be proactive with a physical security system is to have analytics on it. And the second key trend there is to definitely make sure that your technologies are well integrated together so that they can create workflows from Meraki into single wire in this, in this case, uh, as the example. It's interesting because we look, I think the, I think the physical security aspect of it, that's a great point. You know, you, you have cameras, schools have cameras everywhere. They have, you know, the ability to go back and look at things, but in order to create that safer school environment, you have to take the more reactive or proactive approach um, in order to actually make a difference. You can go back and say, oh, that student did that. But if there's no way to notify you of the next time or for you to have any sort of learning around it, then it, it kind of doesn't make a difference. You can legislate and we know how well legislation works and rules like rules are made to be broken. It feels like sometimes, um, but being able to have that proactivity and collect that data, you're now pulling more and more data and more and more information into a school system. And we know that schools have a high sensitivity to data protection. So how is a school, how are you guys helping a school manage that additional data in as well as the standard data they're trying to protect? Does that make sense, Andre? Yeah. So I looking at the different layers of protection, what you're talking about in terms of like Kaylee mentioned, encrypting the video in there so that that's protected, but also from the network side of the house, when we talk about being on the school network, protecting that all together, avoiding any sort of phishing email scams where people can actually get into the network and then take that sensitive data nowadays. I think the Meraki solution would also fit into this conversation as well because we do have the end-to-end endpoint security. So you're receiving your advanced malware protection, your intrusion protection as well. So you have that end-to-end solution where you're securing the student's environment as well, not only physically, but also on the network side. And again, coming back to having a, a full solution under the Meraki portfolio, you really have everything under one single pane of class. So like I was saying about the physical security, you also have it within that same dashboard as well. So you have the view, you have the visibility, and you have that control. So it's the physical security and the endpoint security, and you're just tying it together under one portfolio. So what is kind of, that's great technical terms, but if we're sort of kind of take it down a couple of steps to more of the inside of the school, what a teacher, what a, an admin or a security officer is seeing. And Craig, this might be a good one for you because I imagine you're talking to schools every day. What are some of the, the high level 
kind of security point, security risk that schools are actively looking at today where they're building these things into their RFPs and knowing that it needs to be something that they think about the next school year? Our overall security pro- approach really, and, and, and we, we talk about this a lot, we work with DHS on this, it's an all-hazards approach. Um, and whether that's physical or cyber, we have to be focused on all hazards. It's one of the kind of the foundational principles of security is to not over-rotate to one thing. So we talked a, a good bit about the physical side of things, the physical threats, as we've mentioned, uh, everything from, from allergic reactions in the lunchroom to, you know, the hazards in the drop-off line of, you know, getting hit by a car potentially, the, the bus stop challenges, all the way across the board. So we don't want to over-rotate to any one aspect. We want to secure everything. And cyber is actually the same way. We see uh, a kind of a convergence of physical and cyber threats in the world right now. Most physical incidents have been forecasted on cyber. Uh, most bullying incidents we see that, that manifest physically were started in cyber um, these days. So the two worlds are kind of coming together. On the cyber side of things, we, we notice a, a myriad of creative, um, somewhat destructive behaviors that, that we have to address. And uh, bullying is becoming a big one, and that has increased uh, kind of the self-harm rate due to cyberbullying. We see an uptick in that certainly is a top concern for many states uh, as they put out um, requests for solutions. But also, you know, uh, not only is it the students themselves, but the networks. We see phishing attacks, and, and uh, you know, we had a school in Montana had all their data encrypted, and Bitcoin was demanded, and that attack was found to be a state-sponsored attack from a terrorist organization in Serbia. So schools, as a school administrator, suddenly has to deal with that level of challenge. So what we typically promote is to keep it fairly simple, understand that security has to be end-to-end, everything. So the the GPS system you put in your bus uh, needs to, you know, you need to have a conversation with your cyber specialist about how to secure that. The endpoints we put in the schools or the devices that teachers hold in their hand comprehensively need to have a security strategy around those things. And then the actual the technologies used, whether it's endpoint security or, uh, you know, network level or data security, there will be different technologies, but it needs to be comprehensive. And you always need to ask that question anytime a technology is implemented. How do I secure it? On another podcast we we did once, we were talking about sort of those, all of those smaller pieces. Like when we think of security, we think of the servers, we think of cameras, we think of devices, but it's those other devices that are kind of out there like a GPS. I never would have thought a GPS and I didn't even know there was a GPS in a school bus. Did you? Did you know? You probably know because you sell this stuff. (laughs) But like, I would never think that one, a school bus had a GPS, but it makes sense. I thought school bus drivers just knew where to go um, because that was their route. But the idea that you now know where every single student in a district potentially lives by pulling data out of that. What are some other, I imagine there's other sort of devices that teachers bring in into the classroom that IT has no idea that they even brought them in and that they're connected to the internet and have the ability to send data out. Do you, how can you guys help someone sort of see all of that and understand, you know, what a teacher brings in might actually be riskier than it just a tool that they're using to teach with? 
I think another solution that we could bring in here is systems manager, which is, again, comes back to that single pane of glass, but you are actually managing devices, whether it's BYOD, so bring your own device. So if the teachers are bringing in their devices, then you're able to protect them on a level that you need them to be protected as well. Um, Also, all the iPads for those one-to-one learning initiatives that so many schools are putting in place now, you need to protect those devices as well. Um, Another thing that comes to mind for me is Umbrella. That's a solution that we protect the DNS layer. So if I have a student that's going to google.com and mistypes it, we want to make sure they're getting redirected to the correct site and they're not going to anything Mm -hmm. malicious. So we're protecting that as well. But we are protecting those end-user devices. That's a good one. So students that are... I do it all the time. I type in the wrong uh, email address. And I know a lot of that is like, or not email address, but web address. And it immediately takes me somewhere. And a lot of those can be phishing sites if you you type it in, you know, the wrong way. So you actually have the ability to redirect a student back to what, hey, we are pretty sure you meant google.com, not google.com. And kind of mediate that because that's the human element of cybersecurity we always say is like the big problem. It's we can put up everything on our servers, we can have monitoring, we can have analytics, but all you need is one student to click on a link. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yep. I definitely think it's been very interesting to learn more about safer schools because I transferred into my own life. I've got two kids. I've got one in high school. And so that immediately brought me to what is my local school district doing to protect my children? So I've been more of an activist and advocate talking to people at the school system, just learning that, you know, my school is now getting ready to install a security card printer so that they've got at least that level of physical uh, security. They do have cameras, but they're also looking at what are the updates that we can make throughout the school to be more. So, you know, it's that type of interest of just learning about this and how everyone can be active in it, because I'm sure some school systems are well advanced. Some may not be. So as a parent, it's like your job to ask those questions, too. And we talk about being an advocate, you know, are your kids safe, too? So. It's, it's something that, you know, each one of us should have a good understanding. What does our school systems currently look like? Oh, that's a, another. I only have a two-year-old, so I haven't really, you know, I'm not <laughs> baby, asking daycare what they're doing baby yet. Baby gate security, you're good. <laughs> they don't Lockdown. need an ID badge yet. No, she doesn't need her ID badge. I can barely remember the security code to get into the daycare door. And, like, they change it once a year. And I'm like, oh, please, not again. Um, you know, the other we're talking about the, the student, like our kids and students in general, I, I think, um, we know coding is a, a huge, huge thing in schools. I think kids start to learn to code at six, sixth grade around there or Andre, maybe even sooner. It all depends upon the school system. I mean, my daughter did a bunch of coding as a kid and, you know, her friends, they do it all the time. And she scared me one day when she comes downstairs and goes, hey, dad, I wrote my first Trojan. I was like, oh, great. (laughs) But this is those are the like kids are learning to code and we, you know, we're preparing them for that that next step of go to college, maybe become an engineer, maybe become a web developer. But there's you know, the elephant in the room that we're kind of 
growing hackers, whether they're hacking for good or they're hacking for not good. And sometimes I think that's the um, a missing a blind spot for some schools. They're not worried. They're worried about everything coming in from the outside, but not necessarily what students on the inside actually have the capability to do. If you were to Google uh, how to hack a printer or how to hack a computer, it's something like 23 million search results with videos, with step-by-steps. So I think the internal threat of what students have the capability to do is something that schools really need to be aware of, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's totally different in terms of what the kids are capable of doing and how fast they're learning technology nowadays. I mean, we take it for granted because we work in technology all day, but from that level, when they're in the basics of learning stuff, they absolutely absorb and get consumed with it. So they could go down the wrong path. So it's like you said, it's important to protect from within also. Yep. And having those signal like notifications through the, the Cisco portfolio. And I think one big call out here too is that you have to think a lot of the schools that are out there right now, they have extremely lean IT staffs. So you have all these students that are well beyond and so advanced in their coding, but we need to make sure that our networks and our infrastructures are keeping up with them. And they need to be easily manageable because the small IT staffs, whether it's two, three, four, five maybe people, they need to be able to stay one step ahead of them as well. Right. I, and I think you're lucky if you have five IT people, unless you are like a major school district with 60,000 students. I've talked to uh, IT directors that, you know, I said, hey, what are you what are you responsible for? Divide, you know, your one to one initiative, uh, your, you know, your your printers, your uh classrooms or labs things like that and her response to me was if the uh, if the bathrooms or if the toilets had computers on them then I would or were run by a computer then I would be responsible for the toilets um, so it's a great point resources are so slim in schools um, probably slimmer than the budgets within schools and so being able to have those tools and those eyes and those analytics like to take all that data and give them insights into how to proactively manage what's going on is huge for a school. When we think about what's going on in the schools, should something happen, the whole power of like Informacast and actually what that can really bring to the table when we talk about, okay, something has happened, now how do we respond? So I'll let Tom kind of touch upon Informacast because it's a very powerful tool to have. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that. You know, there's really this buzzword that's going around in the industry, especially within schools right now. Um, and those buzzwords are network infrastructure consolidation. So just about every school that we work with, whether it's a small school or one of the largest in the country, the endpoints that have, they're, they're actually pretty similar, right? So they have IP phones, they have computers, they have tablets. You know, most of the students and staff have their own mobile devices. In some cases, some of the schools with bigger budgets have updated to IP speaker systems. The older ones have not, and they still have some old antiquated analog paging systems, et cetera. And, and one of the real challenges that a lot of the schools are facing right now is, hey, if we have any kind of emergency, whether you know it's the most extreme type of emergency like an active shooter, down to you know anything like a cybersecurity threat, you know, how do we get communication out 
to the appropriate people as quickly as possible. And really what it comes down to is speed and reach, right? They're the two quantifiable measurements in the critical communication space. It is how fast can I get a notification out and how many endpoints can I reach? And, and again, the challenge here is all of those systems that we just talked about, those phones, those PA systems, in most environments, those systems are not connected. So if you can imagine if your systems aren't connected and there's some type of, say, active shooter, I mean, what, what, what are you doing? Are you going into a, a mobile platform and sending out a text message to everybody and then going over to your PA system and then broadcasting to everybody internally and, and maybe having a different system as well? And, and how does that work in a real emergency situation? And that's really the, the question that we answer. And what Informacast Fusion is, is it really is a network infrastructure consolidator. It takes all of those endpoints and it makes it now manageable on a single glass for critical communication and allows for the input of several different trigger methods. So, of course, we have Meraki on the call today, and, and certainly several of the schools that I work with have Meraki cameras. And we talked about earlier in that call about situations where there might be a time of day where someone's not supposed to be in a specific area of the building. As soon as somebody enters into that specific area, an alert can be generated and it can target whoever the security resources are, whether they're on site or at home. Simultaneously, it can lock doors, it can alert the local PSAP, it can do whatever you want. And, and on top of that, really one of the main things that, you know, a lot of the schools are following right now are, you know, we have these active shooter protocols that are in place, like Alice protocol and run, hide, fight, I'm sure just about everybody's heard of one of those at this point. I, I really focus a lot in that New England region. And the New England region, very heavily focused on ALICE protocol. And for those of you that aren't aware, really what that acronym stands for is alert, lockdown, inform, counter, and evacuate. Now, inside of the alert portion of that, what they're really talking about is the difference between an effective alert and an ineffective alert. And I'll start with an ineffective alert because it's really the obvious, right? If we look at what happened down in Parkland when there was that shooting situation, somebody pulled the fire alarm. And when the fire alarm was pulled, students started following their evacuation paths into the hallway, which was, of course, a very bad situation. That's where the shooter was located. Now, an effective alert is when someone can get on a phone from wherever they are or click a single button and send out clear communication to everybody in the entire school at the exact same time, which can say something along the lines of, there's an active shooter inside of the building on the first floor in the A-Wing. That automatically provides everyone a much better chance of survival because they know exactly what situation is going on. They're not following their normal evacuation paths and they have more information. Now with that, there's still more decisions to be made. Right, so what do I do when I hear that active shooter alert? Do I lock down where I'm located? Do I prepare to counter and fight for my life? Or do I evacuate the building? And, and the only real way to know what to do next is with the constant feed of information. And that's where we utilize collaboration resources. For example, Cisco WebEx Teams, phenomenal collaboration resource. So if you can imagine this, right? Now, if somebody were to come into the building um, and let's just say fire a weapon, first of all, there's these new receivers that are out there that can detect gunshots called gunshot detection systems. So as soon as a gunshot goes off, 
a receiver registers that gunshot, and that gunshot sends a signal into Informacast and alerts every single person that you would want to be made aware that their gunshot occurred. If you wanted to do things like lock down doors, deactivate uh, um, door access control cards and things like that, you can certainly do that. But that notification will go through your PA, it goes on the desktops and laptops, it you know, reaches people on their mobile devices, PSAP gets a notification, anybody that has Motorola radios, they're receiving the notification as well, et cetera. Just but again, every endpoint you can imagine that notification goes to, right? Now, simultaneously on the back end, while all of that is happening, a bunch of folks from a security call or on your security team are all brought into the same WebEx team space. Now, all of those individuals are instantly brought into that room and can collaborate about the situation that's happening. The active shooter has moved over to the B wing. Okay, let's quickly click this button and evacuate everybody in the A wing now and put everybody in the B wing in lockdown mode, right? So that collaboration effort on the back end is what's allowing us to continually send communication on the fly in real time to everybody that's in those situations so they have the absolute best chance at survival. It's amazing when you think about how many lives could be saved by having that notification system in place. And I, I don't know if any of you know this off the top of your heads, you you probably don't, but how many schools have this type of system actually in place? I don't know if my daughter's school has that system, but Tom, as you were going through that whole thing, I got a notification. My school's email is back up, so we're we're, we're operational. <laughs> so yeah, you've got some sort of <laughs> some sort of notification system, but that is, I I think that that you know, Kaylee, you hinted to it the the resource part of it, the limited resources and the limited budget. If a school had a wish list, and obviously schools that have incidents, I think, are more prone to put this type of thing in place. But when we think about um, when we think about like how a school can actually let's face it, Parkland's probably not going to have another incident in the same way. Um, but other schools can learn mass amounts of of data from from what happened there and implement things like that to keep this from happening because, you know, a kid getting bullied, you don't want that to happen in your school. Um, and you might, if something happens, put a policy or a technology in place. But you don't want to wait for an active shooter situation for you to get actually a system in place to do some notifications and make sure that you don't have any casualties. Um, there's a there's a component to this as well, along with I think the the security card piece of that to actually have some maybe room to room control. And Jay, you have um, some insight into that. And I'd love to hear more about the security card piece of this. Yeah, absolutely, honey. Thank you. So, you know, at Zebra, we believe that safety and security really starts with identification within the schools. And um, this has come a long way with regards to schools that are bringing uh, ID cards on board. At Zebra, we offer complete, you know, turnkey solutions to produce full-color photo identification badges for the students, for faculty, for visitors, and what have you. These ID badges are not just plastic ID badges anymore, okay? Um, a majority of the badges that are um, being used will have technology either within the card or um, being added to the card. This includes uh, utilizing of magnetic stripe uh, encoding. Barcodes, of course, are simple but effective ways of 
being able to obtain information about the students and faculty uh, on demand uh, at, at any event uh, within the school or outside the school using mobile devices. And as you go into schools, you'll see more of this. You'll walk through the hallways. You'll see student monitors with mobile devices actually enabling them to read the cards in real time. Uh, so if a student is not supposed to be in the hall, they can read the card and say, no, you're supposed to be in English class right now. What are you doing? You don't have a pass. Furthermore, it, it takes this to a, above and beyond just, you know, being able to direct a student uh, to their proper location, but it can auto-generate, um, you know, uh, things such as detentions, in-school suspensions, email notifications um, to uh, any, any type of, uh, you know, faculty member with set protocols that are within, you know, on the back end of the system. So where people thought, you know, ID badges, you know, this is, you know, this is your picture. This is who you are. I see your name. Okay. Uh, you're a freshman. Uh, that's really just the first level of, of identification within the schools. It's really comprehensive and it's gone above and beyond um, just a, a photo ID badge so um, goes, at this point and moving forward. Goes back to using that student data that you're collecting constantly on your students and actually making it actionable for you. I, I think there was a local school here last year, maybe a couple of years ago, where they had a, a student who had graduated the year before um, in the school with a knife. Um, and no one really thought anything of it because he looked just like a student. I think he had his old ID badge from the school. And why would you think anything I mean, when you've got schools of thousands of kids and you've got a kid that looks like a kid, you know, yep. what action can you take just seeing someone other than get back to class? And so having sort of a, a badge right. that reads their data and tells you this kid isn't even enrolled here. He shouldn't even be here. It's fascinating. That's One of the right. things we see across the country, um, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, uh, fascination with all the emerging technologies. You know, there's there's drones and databases, and we're working with a university that has AI-driven robots that, that roam campus. Um, and, and there's also a lot of, of decision challenge, I think, among school leadership about what to do because they get hit with so many bright ideas from so many companies. Um, and, and the market's a little... It's a little gray right now as to where do I start? Where do I go? What do I actually need to do? We always recommend consistently and um, meeting with hundreds and hundreds of schools. We always start in the same spot. The first thing you need to do is lock your doors. And, and we really say a little broader. It's a bit facetious to say just lock the doors, but it really is access control. Before you, you worry about artificial intelligence and robots and drones and all the cool things that can be done, the first most foundational step is lock the door and don't let people in your school who shouldn't be there. Um, so that really is the access control principle and, and having a proper badging system, uh, access control system and ID management and visitor management platform like we're talking about right now is the very first foundational fundamental step in securing the school. Um, limit control, limit the access points and know who's coming and going from those access points. First thing, and then probably right behind those two are video surveillance and notification, which we've also covered. Are the other two technologies that schools are, I think, acquiring most rapidly. But locked doors um, has situational awareness through video surveillance and be able to notify people of events. 
That's really what we're seeing and, and what we recommend. Lock the doors. Keep Lock it simple. the doors, yep. <laughs> so, Craig, yeah. do you yeah. see much more that being the first prominent step that schools are taking, or do you see them really adopting and embracing that? Absolutely. What we see is, is a lot of schools struggling, and if uh, whether we use the access control piece and the card readers we were just talking about or the notification platform, either one, it applies to both. We see schools struggling with which technology to choose, and what they typically end up with is a couple of different technologies. They, they may pick a, a couple of different notification platforms, or for access control, they have a, a different visitor control system than what they use for badging students and what they use for door access control for employees. And that really, I think, becomes the biggest challenge. Most schools, I think, we see want this, and they understand the first thing I need to do is, is you know, control access, but they struggle with picking a solution and sticking with it, and they inadvertently create some complexity that I mentioned earlier, and then they they kind of cycle and struggle because, as we said, they lack the resources really to manage a very complex environment. In the higher education arena, you know, and this is breaking down into the K-12 environment, um, they're looking for a one-card solution. So a one-card solution, um, say with a smart chip, you have the ability to uh, for access control. It can be um, dual authentication with a PIN or what have you. Um, but you also have the ability uh, to utilize that smart card for other um, activities, you know, such as logical sign-on onto the PCs. Um, we see this in universities now. Uh, it is coming down to K through 12, obviously. So there's a lot of applications that are being, uh, you know, utilized right now more in higher education, pulling into K through 12. Bus tracking is one. For example, last year, a 16-year-old, or yeah, a 16-year-old got onto my son's bus who was in middle school, just to get a ride to the next block. Wow. And he succeeded, okay? Got on the bus, got where he wanted to go, got off. Bus driver said, who are you after you got off? That's not good. So what we see now is actually the ability to utilize a, an ID card for when the students come on, they tap the card, you're able to get on this bus. And it's all tracked and monitored, what have you. Uh, that was a little scary. It could have been, you know, gone the wrong way. He just needed a ride. But you can see that, you know, it, it, it's, it's helpful to have this type of technology, uh, not only on school premises, but off, including events like football games, et cetera. Um, so the cards are very important. And where we're going with the cards um, is very important for the schools to understand. What's nice about card printers these days, they've come a long way. Um, our, you know, our printers are able to um, upgrade to different technologies at any time. So if you want smart card encoding a year from now, you can do that. It's fully upgradable by the end user um, or mag stripe encoding or even UHF encoding, which is a long distance range reading, um, you know, to have um, readers at certain events that can read the student's badges within 50 foot range. Um, you know, some of this to the parents seems like tracking um, and, and what have you, but this is all for security and safety of the schools. So at the end of the day, you know, I think that it's, it'll become more palatable as, as, as we move on. Yeah, and I, I think anytime you can introduce a, a piece of technology to a school that has the ability to upgrade and has some longevity to add to, that's the kind of investment they're looking to make because budget dollars are thin. And I think when it comes to security, there's probably a lot of 
government funding, grant funding initiatives. Mm-hmm. States are, yeah. are putting initiatives together for safer schools. So how does, um, what resources are available to a school to start maybe getting some funds to put something like this in place? Because it's probably not an IT budget line item in its traditional form, um, but these right. are really solutions that are managed by IT. So where's the funding come from for this stuff? Grants are available, and there's a number of organizations actually online, and, and they reach out to the schools, and they help with these grants. Grants for photo identification systems are, um, there's plenty, um, and there are organizations that help uh, with these grants to the schools. They reach out to the schools. Um, Zebra is, you know, affiliated with uh, a number of them, and um, we're here to help, you know, get the direction on how to learn more about grants and actually how to obtain them. Um, a photo identification system, I mean, is $2,000. I mean, to you and me, that's, that's a lot of money. But for $2,000, the safety and security of every student, every faculty member, every visitor, uh, you know, that's not a lot of money to, to, to really, you know, have the starting point of safety and security within the school. So um, grants are available, and um, I've seen many, many schools utilize the grants to take the first step. There's several card printer uh, platforms from low end to high volume. Some of the schools have a printer in each school, depending on their size. Um, some of them have in, the, have in the central district, so they will get a, um, a card printer that's for higher volume, um, and they will do all the badge printing um, in a centralized region and then, um, you know, parse those out and send them to the schools. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good point, and there's a lot of grants available right now. And is are some of these technologies available through E-rate programs and, like, part of their proposals for E-rate? Absolutely. So when you look at the E-rate funding, funding in Category 2, that's where your network security will actually apply. So Category 1, um, we unfortunately won't fall into that on the Meraki side. But Category 2, you can absolutely leverage that discounting. And one of the best things, too, is as long as a school qualifies for E-rate, they can apply for these discounts. That doesn't necessarily mean that they have to apply their E-rate funds for this, but at least they're getting the discount. So that's absolutely something that's available when you're looking at the network security is utilizing the E-rate funds. And even last year, speaking to grants, there was a Safer Schools grant out there as well. So it's always being knowledgeable about what programs the federal government and state governments are offering and utilizing those programs. One of the biggest things we also see... um, a lot of the budgets in the schools come from different departments, and we haven't really talked about the people challenge of, of safety yet. And we've kind of alluded to it, but we really need to have a collective group of stakeholders in a school come together for a comprehensive plan. And that's the facilities department. Often facilities will be buying the door access control or the cameras, IT, the network security and cyber and transportation will have the, you know, the, the bus platforms and things. We need all of those people to kind of come to the table together and look at a comprehensive plan because it's possible and, and often that one group gets budget and another doesn't, or, or one group has surplus and another group doesn't. But if they come together and kind of say, here's the end goal of where we want to be uh, from a security perspective, then they, they can kind of use those budgets in aggregate. They, they obviously, they can't share or transfer budgets very often, but knowing that, hey, here. You know, we, we want to start with access control as an example. We want to start with network security. If one department has some budget, they can they can get that. 
um, uh, that, that component and, and make sure that it kind of supports the overall longer term plan. So getting the people together is often a huge piece of solving the budget problem to kind of move the whole thing forward. And, and it kind of breaks loose some of the stagnation we see on, on decision making. I do have a couple grant programs I can mention. There's one called Project Prevent Grant Program. It's a $10 million grant program from the federal government. Um, it's called Project Prevent. It's very easy. And the other one is School Climate Transformation Grant Program. That's a $40 million uh, grant program that's online, available to anybody, uh, anyone in, within the schools, you know, to uh, take a look at. So we have talked about all things security with Cisco, Meraki, Zebra, and the whole team here. Everything from that physical security to keep students, staff, and administration safe, all the way to the network security, that full end-to-end point uh, security within a school. And if you are a school right now that is trying to understand how you put all these pieces together, where you start, and how you pay for it, reach out to your account manager at connection.com here. We have fantastic resources from the team that you've heard today, as well as your account manager that can help you identify potentially some grant resources, can help you with the E-rate resources that you need, um, and really help you have a safer school with Connection and Cisco. Thanks so much for joining me today. 